Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Elk Shape, episode number six. With me, Dan Staten, today's guest is the listeners. They provided me with a lot of questions. We're going to tackle them, everything ranging from elk hunting to fitness to leadership. We're going to crush all that right now. My son is upstairs sleeping. My daughter went to the cabin with the grandparents, and my wife is at the hospital being a nurse. And today I'm just a dad. Tomorrow I'm a firefighter. Monday I'm a coach. You can see what I'm saying here. It's just every day is busy. Um, But every day I'm thankful. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have energy, motivation, Right when I get out of bed to try to help people, try to make people better, try to put out a positive message and try to be authentic, to be real, to be human, to let people know that I'm, this, is, this is what you get. So I think people respect that. I hope they do. That's what I respect. First, I just basically printed out a bunch of questions that I've gotten emailed. And so if you send me an email and I never replied, it's because I printed it and I was like, that's good. I'll get to it. So I'm getting to it today. Here we go. Mitch from Canada says, I'm a new bow hunter currently living in Alberta. I have always been passionate about nutrition and training. However, I have been having some trouble nailing down a training routine that is purpose built for elk season. It doesn't appear that your book is available for sale to Canada. Is there a way I can purchase your book from Alberta? My brother recommended your book podcast. Keep up the good work. Great material. Thanks for your help. Talk soon. Okay, Mitch. Yeah, I need to go in and change that. I'm going to write myself a note, but I wasn't shipping swag to Canada. I will definitely see if I can get that book to be purchased. Uh, It's a PDF version of the book and the book is pretty thorough and there's probably, I wrote it several years ago and it is forwarded by the Cameron Haynes, the greatest social media guru, positive guy you will ever meet. Thanks for doing that, Cam. I'm sure you listen to this every time we drop one. I'm joking. The book is good. It is a good spot, but it's there's 
definitely something that I was like, okay, some people don't want a year-round approach. They they literally are going to wait three weeks before the season and start. So what should I do? And so I was like, I'm like, that's it. I'm writing a three-week program to get quickly in shape. And it's very, I would say it's a pretty intense program. It's 21 days to get into elk shape. I've already written the program. I am producing and editing and filming all the videos that go with it. When I make programs, like in the book, the book is just a PDF. It's got good images. It's got good explanations. But at the end of the day, I learn better off a of video. Maybe other people do too. So, so Mitch, I am writing a program. It's 21 days. It's not a year round. I will make longer programs, but this is my first like go ahead. Okay, make a thorough program. So I'll just give you a little teaser about it. It's going to be you're doing something every day for 21 days. There's three different strength and conditioning pieces that change each week just a little bit. There's also obviously a test in the very beginning to see where you're at fitness wise. That test will be taken at the end as well. We do backpack training. We call it backpack cardio or rucking. We do intervals with those. We do long, slow distance, and we dope our weapon series, which is when you dope your weapon, we are basically shooting under duress, and I'm showing you how to create good muscle memory and create realistic scenarios. And in those 21 days, you'll work out, you'll do regeneration workouts, you'll have cool downs, you'll have warm-up options. And I make I have like 20 plus videos I'm trying to make. And then these videos aren't going to be public. They're going to be unlisted on my YouTube channel. So you'll have to basically get this PDF. You read through it. And then you can click through and watch some of the videos. And you should have a damn good idea what you need to do to get ready for elk season. And then I'll continue to build on that. We'll see how people receive that. But uh, yeah, Mitch, I will definitely look into getting my store so where you can buy the PDF because there's no shipping involved with that. So this one's from a guy with the last name Meek. And he says, thanks for putting out some relatable public land content for all of us do-it-yourselfers. My question is regarding Cape Care. That's right. What's up, all you do-it-yourself bow hunters or public land hunters. I freaking love you guys, man. So I want everyone to know we're all about you do-it-yourselfers, you public landers, you general season, or if you drew something cool, but you didn't go pay to play. You didn't get a $10,000, a $5,000 landowner tag. I want to do that. I'm just not on that level. I'm not. If you are, mad respect. Assuming you plan on a shoulder mount, how do you handle your capes in the backcountry? Do you cape the skull? If so, can you give us a breakdown? If you have several days of hunting and traveling, how do you store your cape? What advice do you have for the best cape care in the backcountry during early season? Much appreciated. Looking forward to all your next episodes. Kai, so, dude, I have only mounted one bull out of 20 plus. I've only mounted one. I've mounted several whitetails, but it's just, unless it's just an absolute giant, it's going to go upside down in the garage or it's going to go on the elk rack in the cabin. So I'm maybe not the guy. I know what I would do. I would cut, I would get always air on more hide, meaning I wouldn't cut real close, but you could tube out the arms, cut past the brisket, down low, go all the way up towards the spinal column and, to, and cut um, basically along the spine all the way to the base of the antlers which you could make a, a Y and go to one base, one to the other base, and then you could peel all that skin, tube it out of the arms, and peel it all the way up the neck, keep it whole, and go all the way up to the base of the neck, cut the head off, fold it all up, and you have to pack out the rack 
the head and the cape and it's heavy. But that's what most guys do unless you have the time to sit there and to basically cape out, start at the lips and work away up the nose and get the eyes and get out the, I mean, you literally cut the face off. So that's what a lot of people will do. Uh, but you have to have a lot of time to do that. And I feel like if you're hunting in September, a lot of times you're racing the clock as far as how hot it is and getting the meat out. So the meat's the number one priority, not the cape. So the fastest way would be just to make a circle cut, like say at the elk's maybe belly button, if you will, and make a cut all the way up towards the base of the neck and just peel and just get all that skin up to about maybe at the elbow, both sides, tube those out and just go all the way up the neck, cut it, twist the neck off, and now you got a head, a skull, and a cape all in one package. It's heavy, but that's great. And then you just got to get that thing cooled. You got to get somewhere cool fast. Don't let flies get all over it and stuff like that. And if you're traveling for extended period, you should already have made accommodations to have several coolers. I don't think I would salt that, but I would call a taxidermist and find out if they, I doubt they're going to want you to salt it. I just think they want you to keep it cool or get it frozen as fast as possible. Again, I haven't mounted a lot of elk. I did cape out my whitetail this year in the mountains, and I did exactly what I just told you. I didn't even, I mean, I was packing meat, and it was, I think I got home at 10 o'clock, and I shot that buck at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was a mountain buck. I was just getting him out of there, so I spent as little time as I had to just get in the cape, worked all the way back to the neck, and I packed out that, you know, he was 140, 146-inch net whitetail. He's a pretty good whitetail, but packed out his rack his head and his cape and it was done so i like where your head's at i hope that you can get a big bowl and get those that cape out but yeah hey dan my name is josh and i live in southern california i've been following your elk shape channel for a year or two and i love all the content you bring to the bow hunting fitness community i wanted to take some time to write to you and see if you might be able to give me some input on a business venture my wife and i want to embark on i remember you saying on one of your vlogs that the best way to pursue your passion for hunting in the outdoors is to own your own business so that you can dictate your schedule fact and i'm at the point where i think we might be ready to do that so I currently work a full-time in the power line industry, which is very successful, but my wife and I have been thinking about potential of opening our own bow shop. This is an idea that we see as a great long-term potential, even if it takes a few years to build some momentum. With all that being said, I wanted to see if you, being a CrossFit gym owner, could offer some insight as to how you got your start with a business and some of the obstacles you faced when you started, and any input you would have greatly appreciate your journey and educate yourself. Okay. Josh, great question. We're talking business. I get excited about that stuff. So yeah, dude, it looks like you have a good job. Keep that good job and open up your bow shop. Open up your bow shop inside your garage. Open up your bow shop, sublease a little space somewhere where it's dirt cheap for your overhead. Starting out, you need to grow organically and you have to be intelligent on how you're going to grow it. And the best way is to just be a phenomenal bow smith, bow mechanic, whatever you call those dudes. Basically, you provide the best service for your customers, and that's what you do. You start out and you buy the minimum dealer. So if a dealer needs to buy 30 bows to have a decent margin, then and that's the minimum, but you can be offered to buy 100 bows or whatever, you start with the absolute minimum. I think brick and mortar is scary and I would absolutely advise against just opening up brick and mortar. I mean, I would start online if you could and grow organically and build up your base and your and your customer base slowly. You know, I can put it into CrossFit terms. I 
moved back to Spokane in 2007. I had been a very successful manager, trainer, worked with professional athletes. I had really spent nine years building my resume. And when I moved back to Spokane, I had money. I was not married, obviously. And I could have opened a gym right then and there. But I hadn't been in Spokane in two years. I was out chasing my dreams and getting all this experience. So what I did is I got a job at a local gym, not as a manager, not as a general manager, not as a fitness manager, fitness director, you know, six-figure job. No, I went and said, I would like to be a personal trainer. And I got hired and I built up my personal training clientele for a year. And then obviously every day I was working on the ins and outs of getting my business up and running. And one year later, I signed the lease and opened the door and had the business ready to go. And 99% of my clients followed me over to my own business. And that was strategic. So I would do the same thing as far as your bow shop goes. Start out of your garage, like my buddy Steve Speck, who owns XO Mountain Gear. He started SNS Archery out of his garage because he was frustrated with the lack of service that he could find at other archery shops. He thought he could do it better, and he did. And then that grew to an online store, which is now SNS Archery. And it's you know, that's what I would do, but I'm, I'm super pumped for you, Josh. If you know how to work on bows, super tune them and provide great service and you're business savvy and know what margins to charge and you can be disciplined and start out small, I would recommend that sublease the space, start at your garage, then go to online and build your base organically until one day you have enough money to maybe invest and buy your own location and things like that. But start small, grow strong, over-serve, under you know under promise over deliver and um, man i'm excited for you guys so let me know how that goes josh this is from eric g what's up dan thanks for answering my previous questions i've began using gohunt.com and i found it extremely useful for my upcoming hunt this fall more questions for you when glassing and making a fire do you worry about the smell of smoke on your clothes no i don't I do not smoke. Um, will come off if you're worried about that. But if I have my my clothes smell like smoke, I just feel like I have an edge. I feel like that's good. That's like almost like a a natural scent eliminator. But no, smoke does not bother me. Um, second question: What are your thoughts about a longer axle axle bow for the backcountry? I've had a Matthews for ten years, and I'm about to switch to the Hoyt RX One, and I'm wondering about getting the 35 inch axle versus the 32 axle strictly for mountain hunting due to the forgiveness for longer shots would you advise this thanks again um eric you know i would say i haven't shot either bow i don't really know generally speaking yeah the axle to axle that's the top to the bottom of the bow the more inches the more forgiving i think it depends on your frame i know that the hoyt guys never recommend me going to a 35 for years seems like because I'm five foot six and three quarters. I'm like super, I'm just barely not five seven. So I'm super short. And my draw length's 27 inches. And it just seems like the way that their engineers set everything up, You, I don't know. If you're bigger than me and taller than me, which you probably are, I'd go with a 35 incher for sure. The more forgiveness, the better. So if you're about my size, yeah, I would go with a 32. That's probably what I'll end up doing. So yeah, good question, Eric. This one's from Jordan K. Hey, Dan, my name is Jordan. I'm new to elk hunting. I've watched almost all your videos. I just had a few questions, but I first would like to say thank you for taking a lot of sweat off my brow on the tricky things that are included in the hunt. Your Q&As are great, and I watch just about everything you put up. 
I like the bear videos too. I'm from Wisconsin and I have always dreamed of just grabbing the bow and doing some hunting in Alaska, Colorado, Idaho. And elk have always been on the top of my list. I am in college and for a graduation gift to myself, I am settled on a do-it-yourself elk hunt in Idaho. Yeah! 10-day trip, stoked to say the least. I've been getting my gear in order. I've changed to FMJ arrows because of the high praise and the slick trick, grizz trick. Two broadheads. I dig the Sitka and plan to cross that off my list as well. But usually answered by your q and I guess I'm still nervous about two things. One being that I don't quite understand what I'm looking for on Google Earth as far as where the elk will probably eat and sleep. And secondly, where to camp. I've hunted and camped my entire life, but I was wondering if you had any tips on where to look on Google Earth and where to camp. And he finishes with, uh, like I said, you've been one hell of a help. I freaking love your shit, man. You're so crystal clear. And it's the questions that a lot of us are afraid to ask. So shed some light on it. Keep up the good work. And who knows? I plan to move out to Idaho after college. Hopefully we'll run each other in the elk woods. Yes. All right, Jordan. Great questions. Let's get this done in three minutes. So Jordan, Google Earth, in my opinion, will lie to you. Google Earth, I've, I've, I did, last time I really did a good solid backpack hunt was uh, two years ago in Nevada, and I spent so much time researching, navigating through Google Earth. I even like would do a desktop video. You can record with QuickTime on a Mac. You can record your, your computer screen as you're clicking through, and I would do like this 3D, and I would film all of these ranges and go over and I'm like, dude, I know this country now. I know what it looks like from the aerial. I got this. And when you, no matter what, when you show up at the trailhead, it always looks different. It's confusing. And so no matter what you can do on Google earth, I think it's never going to be as, you're never going to be as prepared as you thought you were going to be. It's going to look different. So what's not going to look different is some terrain features, some topography. I think elk are really simple at the end of the day they travel generally a long ways they're slightly nomadic some will stay in the same drainages others will be moving 5 10 15 20 25 30 miles during the rut literally maybe more it's just every elk's a little different but all elk like south facing slopes for food they like north facing dark timber to sleep they all are thirsty and will drink water every 24 hours for sure so I would look for areas that have either had a burn in the last five to six years and don't have very many roads and have awesome long ridges that you can bugle and, or make certain little loops where you can maybe park your truck here and you can figure out maybe a four to seven mile loop that you're going to be able to work all day and just throwing out bugles all damn day on glassing and we'll make your way back to the truck at dark and have another one. And so really Google Earth is about, okay, I'm going to check this area and then I'm going to check this area the next day. And you're basically just crossing stuff off. And if you get to your hunt and you have a 10-day hunt and maybe some of those days are scouting days, that's good. Those are the days where you start looking for sign, do some bugling and marking stuff off your list as, nope, not wasting my time here. Go to the next spot. But Google Earth is about making up making a game plan for how you're going to find the elk or approach if you don't have the availability to go put boots on the ground. I hope that makes sense. As far as where to camp, you can camp wherever you want, but I would bivouac camp for sure. Don't set up a base camp or a spike camp unless you know you're real close to some elk. Otherwise, I would just hunt off your backpack until you figure out what you you know what's going on and that's going to give you a huge advantage we talked about it in the last podcast with uh joe roter is just 
bivouac hunting, 40-pound pack system, go out for three to four days, sleep wherever you need to sleep. You can hunt elk to the absolute last light. That's going to be the ticket. Been trying to keep myself in elk shape, gain four pounds back since I got home September 25th. Want to lose that plus a few more. I've been blending up a fruit with ammo and milk. I started using a banana and six strawberries and 16 ounces of milk. Stopped using the banana because I heard on Gritty Bowman it is about as bad as a candy bar. So I've been using three to six blackberries and raspberries, a kiwi and or a pear and strawberries. Am I way overloading? The new podcasts are great. Some meal plans and ideas would be great. One to do. Okay, so Jacob wants to know what to eat. Jacob, I don't know what macros to give you. When you hear people say macros, don't don't just shut out and be like, I don't, I'm not. macronutrient, protein, carbohydrate, fat. One scoop of ammo is a meal replacement. Just so I usually do not make smoothies with ammo. I make pancakes with them, but I do not make my smoothies with ammo. I use the Magnum because that's just the protein component. So if you're going to do shakes, order the Magnum. If you're going to replace a meal by itself, use the ammo and don't add anything to it. Hopefully that makes sense. Bananas are not candy bars. But in Brian Call's defense, bananas do break down extremely fast. They're high glycemic. We are looking for things that don't spike our insulin levels, that digest slower and have a steady release of sugar. And so we don't spike insulin. Because really, guys, when it comes to eating, eating is about what it does to your hormones. That's it. You either are spiking or just slowly releasing insulin or glucagon, and hormones dictate how you feel, how you perform. Not to get too nerdy, but here's the deal, dude. I'll tell you what I do on my smoothie. You can do it like this or something similar. 16 ounces of milk is too much. Cut that to 8 ounces and then backfill with 8 ounces of water and ice. You decide how much ice depending on how frosty you want it. I like mine pretty frosty. I do frozen blueberries. I do one full cup. You're using six strawberries hopefully they're frozen now now you switch to blackberries that's great do about a cup cup and a half of fruit whatever that's going to be even if it's banana and i'm assuming they're frozen and you're blending it up so that's what i would do i would also add spinach i usually f- we freeze spinach uh every time i go to the store we have this huge container full of spinach for salads and then in the freezer is another container of spinach to add to smoothies or kale if you're into that i'm not I usually add somewhere between, no joke, one and a half to two cups of spinach in every smoothie I ever have because it's just spinach, man, Popeye, and you don't taste it, so you might as well load it up in there and get some credit for it. And then I usually add almond butter or, or natural peanut butter and then a scoop of Magnum, which is just whey. It's not a meal replacement. So, yeah, that's what I would do with that as far as um, the ammo. Use that for pancakes, man. Like I said on earlier, just a, an egg or two or egg whites a scoop of ammo, maybe like, I think it's called Kodiak Cakes. You can get it at Costco, a, like a fourth of a cup of that, add water or milk, blend it, make yourself some protein pancakes. And then instead of using syrup, cut up five to six frozen strawberries into small, add some water, heat it up. There is your syrup, but it's just a fruit syrup. It's not, you know, it's good sugar. It's good fructose. That's, that's legit way to go. All right. So as far as other meals go, man, yeah, we'll work on some meal plans. I'm again, I'm I'm ramping up on Elk Shape Store and putting more effort into it. I'm gonna have a detox diet on there, like a three day to get your life together. I'm gonna have some meal plans I'm building that you can get, um, and then I got a 21 day program, and then we'll probably put together something else. But like I said, I'm 
I'm starting to realize people need help. I'm going to start building these programs for people. This next one is from Daniel Master. He's from Southern California. He's been fishing his entire life and starting to get into backcountry public land hunting. I'm slowly learning more and more about it, and I'm not one to do something without being completely prepared and having the right equipment because at the end of the day, it's life and death out there. I know the biggest step is to put myself out there, but knowing anyone that hunts or anyone to learn from is a bit tough. I'm here to ask your recommendation of what do you think the best step is for me to becoming an avid backcountry hunter? I shoot my bow once a week at a local archery shop. It is 20-yard range, and it's a bit hard to find a range that offers more. That is part one. So the best way to become a backcountry hunter is maybe find a mentor. If you're not able to do that, go learn on your own. Just go experiment, um, watch every video you can, listen to every podcast you can, read every book you can, and see what works best for you. I know that there's some really good bow hunting specific books out there, backcountry bow hunting books. So I would look at that. I think Cameron Haynes wrote one in 2006. It's called Bow Hunting Backcountry or Backcountry Bow Hunting. Read that book for sure. I think some of the stuff on there is still applicable. Find a mentor. There's a lot of bow hunters in California. You just have to find them. They're not like dense, but they're spread out. And there's odds are there's one out there. As far as your archery range, 20 yards, that's garbage. Get yourself a block target. Drive out to some public land and start shooting some different angles. You live in Southern California. You're, it's 70 degrees there every day of the year while we're freezing our ass, hibernating up here in Spokane, Washington. You're out wearing a tank top. Go get a block target and go shoot your bow at a bunch of different yardages, different angles, different ranges, and get proficient. And keep your backpack on while you're shooting, by the way, because if you're a backcountry bow hunter, you're shooting an animal nine times out of ten with the with the backpack on, unless you're doing mule deer and you're stalking and you're taking your boots off your pack off and you're stalking them from above in socks. If you're backcountry hunting elk, you're going to have a pack on. you got to shoot with the pack on. And that goes for everybody listening. If you don't shoot with the pack on and you're just that guy that goes to the archery range and just shoots flat 50 to 100 yards with your sneakers on and a T-shirt, that's not real hunting. If you're a whitetail hunter, you got to get all your garb on and shoot from elevated distance. And you got to, you know, if you wear a mask or if you wear a neck gaiter or if you wear a full anything and you don't practice with all that setup on, you're setting yourself up to be surprised when you miss. His second question is about programming for fitness. This is where we'll get into it. He says he's constantly listening to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, as well as watching anything about powerlifting and CrossFit, trying to learn as much as he can about mobility and longevity. I find it most interesting and beneficial. I have been doing jujitsu for about a year and a half, but somehow constantly keep on getting injured. I think it's due to my lack of physical preparedness and ability for something demanding like jujitsu and hunting in the backcountry. I have an MCL grade one spring in my right knee, and I'm finishing up physical therapy and with a partial ACL tear in my left knee. If you could let me know your thoughts on how you would program all these things, I would like to do. Please advice. Okay, so he basically he's like, dude, I do all this stuff. Here's what I do. How would you order it? Step one, he says four hero wads a week. Step two, two to three jujitsu workouts a week. Step three, one swim a week for max distance. Step four, one pack hike a week. Step five, one trail run a week. Okay, I feel like I can do these things. I can become the best version of myself, bro. You don't need to do four CrossFit hero wads a week. In fact, I do one, two, maybe three hero wads a year. 
Less is more. Intensity is way more important than just putting out these hero wads. And if and nobody's listening going, what is the hero wad? It's basically like a CrossFit workout, but which is always usually kind of ridiculous, but it's really, really ridiculous. It's usually like an hour and a half type CrossFit workout, like Murph. Everyone knows Murph. It's one mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, one mile run, wearing a 40-pound pack. And then people get rhabdomyolosis. And if you don't know what rhabdo is, so no, you're not doing four hero workouts a week. Why don't you do a CrossFit workout, one or two functional fitness, high intensity, functional CrossFit type workouts, two or three of those a week. Jiu-jitsu, I, I get jiu-jitsu. It's cool. And I'm 36 and I would love to do jiu-jitsu. I did wrestle. I like scrapping, but I think it's got a high potential for injury being, you know, a beginner. And so I am not going to do jujitsu at the moment. I would rather, and I am paranoid about getting hurt because I use my my bow muscles, my shoulders to pull back a bow and hike. And so I am just deathly afraid of getting hurt and losing out on a season of hunting. So I'm not doing jujitsu. I don't know if I recommend you doing jujitsu. You've already been hurt and you, have, you haven't been doing it very long. You just got to decide what's more important to you. I mean, if you're really into jujitsu, don't bow hunt. Don't backcountry bow hunt. Bottom line, I would say choose your master. Um, mine's bow hunting, so I'm not going to do jujitsu, even though I want to, and I want to feel tough and be able to like be prepared to like choke choke somebody out in three different ways, um, and wrestle and all. I love competition. Doesn't matter. I don't want to get hurt. So, and some people think the same thing about CrossFit. Like I'm not doing CrossFit. I could get hurt, and that's true. Uh, I've been doing CrossFit for ten years, and I have gotten hurt at least once. But most of the times, you're not getting hurt. You're getting fit. So. Some people would say the same about jujitsu. It's just, you got to just take calculated risk when you're a bow hunter, especially when you're 36 like me. You just got to be smart. You don't want to get hurt. I like to swim once a week for max distance. That could be a good flush, good cardio, good metabolic endurance, stamina. Uh, one backpack hike a week. I think that's really important too, to keep the weight of a backpack on your T-spine, on your neck, your shoulders, your traps, your hips. And you can always do intervals or long, slow distance. You can shoot with a pack. A pack got to go on every week. Uh, one trail run a week, that's great. So I was just thinking you need to turn down the jiu-jitsu and turn way down the CrossFit Hero Wads. And I think you got yourself a good program. I also remember, get a, get your own target. Don't just shoot at 20 yards indoors. Go out there. You live in SoCal. Go take advantage of that. And good luck, man. Thanks for the email. I really appreciate you. Chris Morgan. Dan, I wanted to send you a brief message about your podcast. It's been really encouraging and challenging for my wife, and I really appreciate your content you are putting out all around, especially the discipline in your episodes with finances, working out, and scouting. A little bit about myself, I feel that I am pretty similar to you and that I'm a family guy. Welcome my first kiddo into the world two weeks ago. Congratulations, Chris. Totally relate to you about what you said about having a daughter. Also, I am similar in that I have bounced around in careers, and I've really started a pursuit for a career in fire service. Attached is a picture of my biggest buck to date. In a draw unit, um, my Instagram is cmorgan3030. Follow him, people. Sorry if this was the longest email ever. I'm passionate about all things you are. Keep up the good work and the podcast, what you're doing. Also, would love I'd love to hear about your dear adventures on your podcast, including the Nevada video you did. Hope all is well. Well, Chris, good luck on the fire service. Oh, there's a picture of you and your family. That's awesome. There's your buck. I just print these out and get to them when I can get to them. So, yeah, the fire service is an awesome career, especially for bow hunting. You get a lot of time off. It's hard to be at work 
for those long shifts away from your family, but you are helping and saving people and you also are fostering great relationships with other firefighters and, and hopefully enjoying that process. I am, am enjoying being a firefighter one shift a week, but man, it really makes me, it makes my life harder. Honestly, being a firefighter, I think that it's a job that's extremely rewarding. Yes, it's got some, you got to be, if you didn't know this about firefighters, I didn't, you, you got to know so much about medical stuff and EMT. And then flip side, you got to know so much about fire and there's so many different types of fire and there's so much to know about just a little bit of everything. You have to, you have to be, firefighters are smart and they're always learning and studying and, and the best firefighters are just students for life. And Oh man, it's a great job. So I hope you, I hope Chris, I hope you find a full-time firefighting job. I know it's super competitive down there in California, but man, if you put your head down and really go for it, you can do it, man. You can do anything. So in the finance stuff that we talked about, yeah, discipline is difficult, but we're called to it. It's in scripture. Uh, we are all called to be disciplined and it may hurt and it's not comfortable, but it makes us better. And, you know, we're going to bring my wife on this podcast and you guys are going to, I'm going to ask her the hard questions because she knows me better than anybody. And I am, I can be really difficult to live with. I am super stubborn. I'm probably too motivated. That's what she calls me is I'm too intense and I'm intense about everything, but I want to be intentional. I want to be productive every day I get up. I want to move the needle in the right direction. If you want something, go get it. So the finances and stuff like that, well, it's constantly, no one's got it figured out. I know I don't, but I know that case in point, we've been looking at houses lately, like literally looking like online. And then we got a realtor lady showing us houses and we have our house is not even for sale and we're just looking. And I was just like, hold your horses, babe. Like, what are we doing? Like, you're looking at houses. She's like, well, we can afford these. Mm, okay. We can afford these houses. Sure. But it also ensures that you will be working more and I will be working more and that we will work more. And you don't own the house. The house owns you. You don't own the truck. The truck owns you. You see what I'm saying? So the things that you need are that, I don't know, my perspective is just I don't want to be owned by anything. I want to own a few things that are simple and I want to go play. I want to raise these kids. I want to get them in the mountains and I want to do these podcasts and I want to do these videos that help people and I want to see them be more successful and not make the mistakes I've made. So we're working through this right now. We're going to bring my wife on here in a little bit, but it's uh, marriage is tough. Finances are tough. Discipline is tough, but I already told you what lasts won't come easy. What doesn't last will come easy. So, you know, take the uproad, choose the difficult path, stay disciplined, get your spouse on board. Iron sharpens iron. You guys got that, Chris. So go get that firefighting job. All right, guys, we got two more, and then we are done with this episode. All right, Jared Grossman. Dan, I've been following you for a while on social media and really enjoy what you're doing and the manner in which you're doing it. God, family, fitness, hunting, and finances are very important to me, and I'm loving the new podcast. It's a breath of fresh air in the hunting podcast world. That's right. Sorry, that gets me fired up, but I wanted to have something different. Like, this is the stuff I like. Fitness... Killing elk, being disciplined on all faucets and delayed gratification for finances, working towards big goals and big dreams, and being realistic with expectations that this is not a primos elk hunting, the truth. The truth is that the truth videos, if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
Primos puts out videos like 20-something year after year, and they call it the truth because, you know, there's not a lot of fancy editing. It's not much of a story. It's just like kill after kill after kill. But the truth about the truth is that they're in the big belts in Montana. They're at the Hill Ranch in Colorado. And and why do I say it? Like, the truth is, is that none of you guys can uh, afford that hunt. You're not on that level. The Hill Ranch has probably got, I don't know how much it is to hunt there. I know people like Cameron Haynes has hunted there and, and whatnot. If you want to pay to play, cool. But if you're like a normal human, blue collar, got a family, you got college to worry about for your kids, you're going you're gonna to do more of these public land do-it-yourself hunts. You're not going to spend eight to 10 grand. And it's all relative depending on your hunting budget. You know, I spend a lot of money on hunting, what I think is a lot, but it's a budget. But what I maybe what I spend to some guy would be like a ridiculous amount that he thinks that I am uh, out of my mind for spending that much on hunting tags and applications. And then if I think that this really rich guy is ridiculous for dropping seriously like fifteen grand on an elk hunt, private ranch, and then a seven grand trophy fee, and then you tip your guides a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks. That's just a drop in the bucket for that dude. That's his budget. So it's all relative. I get that, but I. My audience is these, you know, guys like me that want to work out, want to get in shape, want to have the best equipment, want to provide their body the best training stimulus, nutrition, want to work hard, want to balance that family and wife life and get, you know, be a provider and a leader and have discipline. Yes, that's what we're looking for. So tangent over. I know you primarily focus on elk hunting, but I also know you enjoy some spring bear hunting. I'm a whitetail hunter from western New York and have zero experience hunting out west or bears for that matter. My brother and I are trying to save and plan for a spring bear hunt in 2019. My question is, this is a topic you could shed some light on in a future podcast. Or what advice would you give to a beginner? Books to read, gear needed, tactics, 2019. All right. All right, Jared, here we go. Spring bears... You can hunt in Alaska, Montana, Idaho. Washington State is a draw. And Idaho has a draw. Montana might have draws. But but there's over-the-counter units in Montana and Idaho. And I believe Wyoming. Not in Colorado. Probably not in California. I don't know the details of these places. But I do know that Montana and Idaho have spring bear over-the-counter. I know Montana's got like a um, some sort of quota system. But I don't think it gets met in a lot of places. So you're fine. But Idaho's got a lot of just come kill two bears, please, in this unit. We got too many. It's awesome. Here's a general, generous season. You can hunt from April 15th to May 31st or April 15th through June 30th or April 15th through July 31st. It's ridiculous. So spring bear depends on the winter. I think the earlier the better, but it's a gamble, especially when you're coming out where you are. So you want to kind of hold off till mid to late May. Get that timed around the rut. Get into some great country where you can glass south-facing slopes. Uh, when you're glassing for bears, stay in uh, pretty much the same spot and glass the same area over and over and over, and all of a sudden a bear will materialize that you never thought was there. Bear hunting is fun because you can cover a lot of country and do a ton of glassing, and you can do it in remote areas. You can do it in just out of your pickup. You can do it out of 4 by 4 side-by-side, what have you. Bear meat is good. Despite what people maybe think, you can keep the bear meat or not in Idaho, I believe. You know, you have to check your bear and once you kill it within 10 days, pull the milk tooth, get the hide sealed. Uh, There's a lot to bear hunting. So we could 
do a podcast on that certainly especially because that's my next hunt unfortunately so that's not till april and here we are in january but you jared yeah let me know some more specific questions generally speaking i would say go for it start planning it shouldn't be expensive you're looking at travel cheap tags give you an example currently i think idaho non-resident licenses somewhere around a buck 60 and then you can get um, a discounted bear tag in some units for low as 40 i think 30 or 40 bucks and then a regular bear tag is 155 bucks super cheap and it's great to just be out hunting washington state you have to put in for a draw i think wyoming's got over the counter check it out last one a q a for elk shape podcast number six it's from jason i'm a whitetail hunter from ohio going on my first elk hunt in september any pointers on what to get and how to change up my workout not a lot of CrossFit in my area. I've worked out for 20 years, but it's been bodybuilding, exercise. Any advice would be awesome. Been watching your videos. Great stuff. You're a beast. Thanks for inspiration. So, Jason, yeah, I too once did bodybuilding, and I would isolate movements. I would do chest on Mondays, maybe back on Tuesdays. Maybe Wednesdays was just arms. Maybe Thursdays was like literally uh, shoulders and calves. And then Friday would be like leg day sometimes, and then so on and so forth. I never really was that strong. I was I was strong, but not really strong. I I could do big lifts, but nothing under duress. It's kind of like I could shoot a bow really good when there was no wind, and my heart rate was totally chill. But you put an animal in front of me, and I would just lose it. So that's what I would relate to bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is like shooting your bow with no wind, just before dark with that perfect light you can sit there and get a perfect execution on a flat shot and then you throw crossfit in there where you got to lift big shit really fast under duress and that's like crosswind 40 degree pitch animals quartering away you got to make this shot and you got to do it under duress i hope that analogy makes sense but it's a game changer one is more perfect practice the other is more like just practice which would you rather do for me, I want perfect practice. I want applicable to what I need. And so for the CrossFit or the cross training or the functional fitness, dude, I can get hellas strong doing that. And I can increase my cardiac output, my endurance, my stamina, my recovery, my regeneration. And I can look the way that I feel good about myself. That's important, believe it or not. All that kind of stuff through CrossFit. Now, I used to weigh like 170 to 180 when I was doing bodybuilding-ish type movements once I started CrossFit in 2005 and 2006, and then I really got into it in 2007, fast forward 10 years, so we're at 2018, I bet I weigh most days just under 160, most days, strong as I've ever been, close, and lean as I've ever been, not dieting, but eating clean, and feel like I can crush the mountains and I don't have to. So my thing about elk shape is being ready year round. So I feel like at any moment's notice, I could strap on 40 pounds and do a five or seven, a 10 day hunt and I could backpack hunt and I could hang with anyone. And a lot of it's mental and some of it's fitness or physical. I guess what I'm telling you, man, is you need to not do bodybuilding at all. Now, there's some bodybuilding things you can do at the end of your workout, but you definitely need to try doing some more functional, compound, illicit, neuroendocrine, fancy words here, but just big lifts. 
You need to clean. You need to squat clean. You need to do thrusters. You need to do squat clean thrusters. You need to deadlift. You need to do sumo deadlift, high pulls. You should do snatch, power snatch, muscle snatch, squat snatch, overhead squat, back squat, front squat, shoulder press, push press, push jerk, split jerk, bench, bent rows. I mean, all that stuff, but I would try to maybe start adding some intensity and, and maybe being under the gun of a stopwatch and sprinkling some CrossFit stuff. So I have advertised this. I am building a 21-day to elk shape program. I think it's going to be legit. It's already written. As soon as I'm done filming this, I'm going out to my garage to do two of the workouts today and I'm going to film it so you can see what it's like to do these workouts. And they're just they're built around home gym stuff. So guys with home gyms, Get yourself a squat bar, a squat rack, a sandbag, or several sandbags. Get yourself um, some dumbbells. If you have some weights, that'd be great. You don't need a lot of equipment. You really don't. But you need a lot of intensity. And intensity is not a feeling. It's you need to do a lot of work in a little bit amount of time. So you need to get your conditioning up. And you can always check out elkshape.com under training tab. I just post what I do every week super free i don't i mean and you may not understand what i'm writing but you could figure it out through google and yeah hopefully that helps answer your question man um i appreciate the support and you reaching out and i hope this inspires you to add more functional movements to your program all right guys that wraps it up we are bringing on my wife soon we are going to talk you're going to find out more about me through her lens which i think will be important and we're going to talk about some stuff for the wives out there as well as some nutrition and meal planning. So we're going to bring her on. Uh, Corey Jacobson's coming on soon. I'm going to have my buddy Matt Anderson from Coeur Idaho. He owns RX Mills. He's a CrossFit coach. He's a bow hunter. He shot a wolf with his bow this year. He's killed elk. We're going to get him on here. So, And then if you know some blue-collared guys that are legit, let me know about them. So we're looking for those people to get on this podcast and I wanted to give a shout out to all the partners of Elk Shape for all the help that they do with my equipment and my training and my hunting and shooting and things like that. So um, shout out to Hoyt Archery. I'm waiting for the RX-1, but I am really excited and can't wait to shoot it. I've been shooting Hoyt forever, and they're very dependable bows. And I strongly recommend that if you're looking at not buying a bow new, year after year that you get yourself a Hoyt because they stay very relevant for a long time. They're very good longevity bows. Strings from my boy Josh Jones out of Spokane Valley Archery, Podium Archer. Thank you, Josh, for building strings where I don't have any stretch and have to go back into the shop and, and tune my bow. It's already done. It's tuned once and it's it's awesome. Easton Archery, Love you guys for making the full metal jacket. That's aluminum wrapped over carbon FMJ. I shoot a six millimeter. I have a brass insert, 50 grains up front, and I wrap that with boning, arrow wrap, and boning blazer, two inches. Shout out to boning. Another one of my awesome partners. And then we got Grim Reaper broadheads. I'm using their fixed line. I know they're super stoked on their mechanicals, but they know that I'm stoked on fixed. So sharpest broadheads I've ever handled is the Micro Hades series, the three and the four blade. I use the three blades for longer distances, like 40, 50, and longer. Like I shot my antelope this year with that, and I shot my bear. And then on the four blade, it's more of those closer shots. I shot my whitetail buck, my mountain buck, and my elk with a four blade. One was a 20-yard shot. One was a 28-yard shot with the four blade. And, I mean, the elk went about mm, 50 yards, and the deer went about mm, 50 yards. So it was devastating. I was super pumped on that. 
I don't have an archery site sponsor currently right now, but I do have a custom bow equipment. I have Montana Black Gold and an option archery site on my shelf. I like all three, but um, I think I'm more of a Montana Black Gold guy. That's the one I've used most historically. But my boots partners is Kinetrek Boots uh, out of Montana, and their customer service is amazing. I think you should try their boots. They're built for sheep hunters, so they can handle elk hunting no problem. Layering system is sick of gear all day, every day. Really dig the subalpine this year. Game changer for where I hunt. And the optics, Vortex being so good to me. Appreciate all the support. Exo Mountain Gear out of Idaho. Love their pack system. It's been a game changer for me. Literally shaved about five pounds switching to Exo a couple years ago. Phenomenal bag system. I love the fact that I can pack elk meat out on the first trip out. I just take the bag off. Put the meat right up against the frame, use the compression straps, and then put the bag back over the top, and you're you're making making headway on your elk pack house. So it's got places to put your spotter, your tripod. I mean, you can pack, I don't know, if you're going to baby hunt, check out Exxon Mountain Gear. It's a really good investment. And speaking of investments, don't use cheesecloth. Get yourself some good quality synthetic game bags like caribou game bags. That's what I recommend. Call your elk with Phelps Game Calls, baby. He's do-it-yourself. This guy's got a real job, and he builds calls on the side. He's out of Washington. Uh, You saw his calls in the born and raised 50-day hunt there, that land of the free. I love Phelps, which two years ago, great calls. And Onyx Maps, download the premium so you have it on your phone. You never have to use a GPS again, and you can look up any state. Anywhere you are at, you can download your maps ahead of time. You can share where points, and you can get rid of your GPS like I did. And just use your phone. Onyx Maps, game changer for scouting and while you're hunting. And I'm not even talking just whether or not to know if you're on public or private, but when you're on public, looking at Google Earth right where you're at and seeing the terrain features, knowing where that meadow is, knowing how to get there the best way, knowing how to avoid blowdowns, and last but not least, Mountain Ops for making really good supplements for what I need, which is training, very serious training. The stuff I take the most is their ammo, their Magnum, Ignite, some Yeti, a multivitamin. They have a whole line of stuff, the new Slumber, all that kind of stuff. Check Mountain Ops, Mountain Ops out. Good dudes. They got a 90-day challenge coming up. Check into that as well and do the challenge and make yourself better. Why not? So that's it for uh, my partners. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care.